0: I want you to remain standing in Guthrie in Oklahoma City and it's good to have Freedom House and Lexington. I want you to look at the book of Matthew chapter 27 with me and I'm going to start with verse number 27. Jesus has been betrayed with a kiss. He's been taken to the Sanhedrin, which is the top judicial system for the Jewish people. He is convicted. He is handed over to the Romans to be sentenced to death. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown. Put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hell, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed a stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe put his own clothes on him again then they led him away to be crucified father god send your holy spirit may each and every individual listening right now experience the resurrection power of jesus i ask this in the name of jesus and everyone said amen Amen. you may be seated the word they there is used eight times and it jumped out at me in my reading this week. And I began to think as our adult, my adult children were teenagers, one of the questions or one of the statements that I'd often make to me with dad, they are all, and just fill in the blank, they are all going, they are all going to be. They, my question was always, who are they? Sometimes I have people still come up to me and say, they are saying this. They are. Who are they? I want to know who are they? One of the questions that's been debated for centuries is who killed Jesus? The Jews would point their finger at the Romans and say, it's obvious the Romans did. Their soldiers knelt him to the cross. Their soldiers did this to him. They did it. The Romans would say, no, they, the Jews, they're the ones that set the stage and wanted him to be killed on the cross, and they are the ones, they are the ones. But if I read the scriptures correctly, I find a different story. It says this in the book of Corinthians, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the sin offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Did you get that? So in other words, as I read the scripture and not just that one verse, is that it's God that sent him to die for my sins. And it's for our sins that he would die, but it's also Christ who was willing to submit to the plan and the will of the Father and to lay down his life because no man could take his life. That's a different, so what, what is sin then? What is that all about? Um, Stino, come help me out. I'd like for somebody to do a little illustration with me, and so I've asked him, so don't be distraught about what you see on stage in just a moment. Take this. I like you. I just want you to know that. I I just, I don't know what it is, but I just like to just hit on you a little bit. Because I know that you love me and you'll forgive me, and so I just like, you just keep coming back for more, and I just kinda keep giving more, and I just like, and that's, I just kind of, I think it's a genetic disorder or something, I just naturally do these things because I just can't stop myself and I I just, and just just be thankful that I didn't go Will Smith on you, okay, just be thankful. (laughs) You know what a sin is? Sin is an offense, is an attack. It is an insult against God. It is to miss the mark. And for me to stop right now and say, oh man, my hand hurts. I kind of like, I can't, I I need to stop hitting him so hard. Hit him less hard because my hand, and I kind of feel a little guilty, but I got to stop and remember, what I did is not about me. It's about offending him. I offended him. I insulted him. I brought something against him. And our sin is an attack against God. Let's stop and think about the consequences that our sin meant for Jesus. You see? And it's crucial to identify my sin. We talked about our sin there, but my sin. I I want you to say your name out loud, okay? On three, I'm gonna say my name, you're gonna say your name. One, two, three, Rodney. All, All of us again, one, two, three, Rodney. You see, it's because of my sin. Jesus gave up his divine privileges And took on the position of a slave. Oh, this is so important. He left his eternal glory to come down here to earth. He gave up all of that to become one of us. What he created, he became. Philippians says it this way. Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human uh, selfishness is our root problem, isn't it? A I, I, grandson this past week was at the house and I gave him a popsicle because he was asking for one. I gave him a popsicle. About a few minutes later, I asked for a bite of the popsicle. He refused to give me a bite of the popsicle. A two-year-old boy refusing to give me a bite of his popsicle. The popsicle that I bought paid with my money that he would not have if I had not had willfully given it to him i talk talking about my grandson i can be the same selfish person that he is but jesus laid down all of that for you and for me because we offended him and attacked him and insulted him he gave everything for you and me because of my sin jesus was tempted in every way possible every way possible i talked to a young man just recently that was struggling with some sexual temptation, in fact, temptation. He was, <laughs> he was giving in the temptation again and again. And I said, hey man, we gotta, we gotta move forward. We gotta be. he made a statement to me. He said, you don't understand my sexual drive is greater than most any other men. I was like, dude, I laughed too, just like that. I, I know it's not what they teach in counseling sessions to laugh, but I laughed. I said, you're telling me your sexual temptation is stronger than mine. I said, you may have been feeding yours a lot longer. Because here's what the devil will do. The devil wants to isolate you and make you think that your situation is unique to anyone else. And if he can get you there, isolation breeds deception. And he's got you where he wants you. You see, we all might not be dealing with the same thing, but we're all dealing with something. But there is one person who dealt with all the things that every one of you are dealing with, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. Hebrews, it says it this way. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Put your name there. Yet he did not sin. None of us can say that. He can say that. Because of my sin, Jesus was brutally tortured to the point that he was unrecognizable. Let this sink in for just a moment. Let's talk about pain that Jesus went through, physical pain. Let, let's look in the text that I read, you, you got a few of the, go back and look at the gospels and you'll find a whole much more. But even if you give a complete study to it, it still will not give you the full reality of what he actually endured because we weren't there and did not see it. But Jesus was slapped. He was hit with the fist. He was spit upon. His beard was plucked out. A stick was taken and slammed over his head. A crown of thorns was placed on him and pushed down, and blood flowed down his eyes and over his face where he could not even see. A whip was laid to his back, 39 lashes with lead and glass and rock they would grab hold of his skin and rip it down. And by the 39th lash, it had to have been bones that were revealed. Yes, Taken to a cross, nails driven into his hands and into his feet. And a spear shoved up his side. Yes, Isaiah said it this way. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. From his appearance, one could scarcely know he was a man. Did that sink in? Did it just stop and let that sink in? How about the emotional pain he went through? Luke chapter 22 says it this way. In the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying drops, it says huge, drops of blood were coming out of his pores and his forehead and flowing down his face. I've dealt with stress before. You've dealt with stress before. But nobody has dealt with stress like Jesus had to deal with stress. The emotional weight on him, he was taking on the sins that ever was and that ever will be. He was taking on the world's problems all to himself. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in. Pain, emotional, relational pain. 33 years of age. Giving himself to a life of celibacy, seeing his friends get married. Seeing his own father die. His adopted father that invested so much in him died. He's God right there. Seeing the crowds that he fed and blessed And filled their stomachs. And then he stops and says, why do you follow me? Because I do miracles and feed your stomachs or because I am the bread of life? You must eat my flesh and drink my blood or you cannot have any part of me. And it says the crowds left him to never follow him again. Those same crowds would be the ones standing there saying, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Relational pain. How about his closest, 12? The rubber met the road, they all fled. One of them betrayed him with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver. That is $100 in today's terms, folks, that Jesus was sold for by somebody he had invested so much in. How about Peter? Denied him three times that even knew him. I don't even know the guy. Relational pain. Isaiah 53 says it this way. He was deep despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And also because of my sin, Jesus died. Let's roll the tape back to Genesis chapter number two. In chapter three, look what it says. Adam and Eve are created by God. They're given the garden, said it's all yours. You can have all the trees, everything, and I want you to take dominion, name everything, it's all yours. But there's one thing that you can't have, and that is that one tree right there, and that one tree's mine. That's the forbidden fruit you cannot touch. And the day that you do is the day that you will, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Time passes. The voice of the serpent begins to speak in their ear, causing doubt against the truth of who God is. One day they decided to reach for the forbidden fruit and ate of it. Immediately their nakedness is revealed. They see who they really are without God. They go and get leaves and cover themselves up, but that's not good enough. God comes walking in the cool of the evening, asks Adam and Eve, where are you? Let me tell you something, when God asks you a question, it's not because he needs to have an answer from you. He's gonna wanna check and see if you will just be aware of where you are. You see, he had said that the day you eat of that, you will surely die, but they didn't die. Or did they? Did they? Something died. Something died at that moment, the clock began to tick. Sin entered, and they were in, before the clock wasn't ticking in their life. Now things are ticking. And God shows them the visible side of the death when he says the leaves aren't good enough and he made them skins. And he killed a couple of animals to cover themselves with skins. They saw blood shed, death happen. And from that moment on, death has been happening. Animals die every day. They've been dying for thousands of years. And every single person, the mortality rate, if I've checked lately, is still one-to-one. You're gonna die someday. Because of my sins, he died. Because Jesus had to be the perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of the world, a sinless lamb of God. Romans chapter five says it this way: God showed His set with me great love. Come on, say it a little better. God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Well, this is key. While we were still sinners so because of my sin Jesus gave up his divine privileges took on the position of a slave because of my sin Jesus was tempted every way possible because of my sin he was brutally tortured to the point that he was unrecognizable because of my sin Jesus died but I got good news for you he died on a Friday he rose again on a Sunday. So because of my sin, yes, Jesus did not stay in a grave. He rose the third day. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody shout to the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. And let me just tell you something. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person standing before Lazarus' grave after he'd been dead for four days. He said, "Do you believe, Martha?" "Oh, I believe." Then he says, "Why well, don't you know? I'm the resurrection, and I am the life." And another place he would say, "No man can come to the Father but through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." Jesus is that. Easter is not just some wonderful holiday where we get together as Christians worldwide and commemorate a great man. No, Easter is the defining moment of world history. It gives us hope, eternal hope, life in Christ Jesus, where sin has been defeated, death has been defeated, and now we have eternal hope in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Corinthians says it this way, He was buried he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture says but here's the thing do you believe what the scripture says do you believe church history and the evidence that has been unpacked again and again and people who have tried to destroy it and the impact of a man named jesus and what it's done and the literally hundreds if not thousands of lives that were witnesses eyewitness accounts people who hated him People who were against him, brothers, why would his brothers think he's a lunatic? Because he was perfect and nobody can be perfect. But yet, you know what? They did not believe in him, but his brothers became his deepest followers and most committed that laid down his life, their lives for Jesus. Why would you do that? You may believe your brother's a a, a lunatic, but after you see your brother die and rise again, victorious over death and hell, you'll believe, you'll believe they followed. What are you going to believe though? Are you going to believe what culture says, what streams of science, certain streams of science says? Are you going to believe the lie of the enemy that is speaking in your ear because the devil is the father of lies? Or are you going to believe the truth of who Jesus says he is? Because he's not a good man, he's either God or he's not. A few days ago, Shannon and I were down in Dallas, staying with Phaedra and her husband Mitchell, and obviously Skyler Beth, our grandbaby. I'd had a tough week because we'd flown in from Israel and getting the time change thing, and then eight hour difference. And then all the work I put in that week, long hours, sleepless nights. I got into Dallas that morning at their little place, a little less than 900 square feet. I sleep on on a chair and Shannon sleeps on the couch. And I didn't get much sleep. I got up early the next morning. I told Shannon in the afternoon, I said, I've got to get a little bit of a nap. It was a beautiful day. As I was laying down, I'm putting the, something over my eyes and putting headphones on so that I would kind of get away for just a moment. I see her walking out the door and I went ahead and go to sleep. 30 minutes later, I'll wake up and no Shannon. She hasn't come back. It's a beautiful day, assume she's walking. But I noticed she left her phone at their place. Fader's working in another room. And I said, Fader, have you seen mom? No, I hadn't seen mom. And so I went walking for her, didn't find her, come back, get in the car and start driving the streets up and down, looking for her. Fader began to look too. Mitchell shows up by the time we've been, for the next hour and a half, we're looking for Shannon and Skylar. We cannot find them. I'm driving up and down. We are ready to call the police for a missing person. We are desperate. And as I'm out, Phaedra texts me and she says, we found Scholar and Shannon. I ran back to the house. Scholar and Shannon had never left the house. I'm talking a 900-square-foot place. They were in a back room with the sound machine on and Shannon couldn't hear the chaos that was going on in the house. Scholar was sleeping and she was just sitting in there with Scholar. It is amazing the lies we can tell each other ourselves and we begin to believe things that are not even true and let me tell you the devil has worked on people to believe a lie Jesus died for your sins and rose again the question is what are you gonna believe who are you gonna believe Jesus or everything else see here's three lines that we oftentimes tell each other we tell ourselves number one is I promise that I will do better. You know me pushing on Steno a while ago? We walk away and say, I'll do better next time. And we get back in the same situation, we go the same sin, doing the same thing. And we say, I- I'll turn off a new leaf. I will get better. You can't do it on your own. You were never meant to do it on your own. That's why you needed Jesus. Another lie we say is, I am not, fill in the blank. I am not good enough. None of us are good enough. That's why we needed Jesus. And the devil will say, oh, you just keep sinning. You keep doing the following the same. You're you're not good enough. Other people are good enough, but not you. And a lie from the pit of hell. Or I'm not able. I'm not able to do this. I can't. I've tried the Christian life. No, no, no. You you are unable without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the other one, I, I am not good enough, not able. Oh, I'm not that bad. Because you know what? You begin to look at people around you and feel like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm a pretty good person. That's not what it's about. Because your standard is not the person that you know. The standard is not a friend. Your standard is not even your pastor. The standard is not, the standard is Jesus Christ. And that standard, none of us attain to. All of us have sinned and fallen woefully short of the glory of God. And probably the biggest lie Satan will tell us that I will tomorrow start following Jesus. You know what? The devil will make sure tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow will always be another day out. And let me just tell you, you don't control your tomorrows. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't control. you You don't... He knows the number of hair on your head. He has your days numbered. You don't control your own breath. You don't control the circumstances around you. The grace and the goodness of God does. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed you. And I was thinking about me pushing on Steno. How do I wrap that up? How do do I wrap it up in regards to... Because all offenses against God are very real. But he loved you anyway so much, even against your attack, insults, that he made a way that everything would be covered. I, 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 left the, I left the office and I was gonna go work out and I was asking God for a sign of something to wrap up with. And I was like, what do I do, God? What do I do, God? And I pulled up behind this peak. It was like a nasty, pukey green pickup truck. And I was sitting there looking at the back of it and reading this and I was like, what, what? And then it dawned on me, God says, that's what I want you to use. And so right here like it never even happened. So in other words, my sin against Steno, and Steno's not God, (laughs) but if my sins against God, he says, you know what, it's like it never happened. Your sins will be as cast as far as East are from the West. They'll be buried in the sea of forgiveness. Come on, that only happens because Jesus died and rose again, victorious over death and hell. Hallelujah, somebody, Somebody stand to your feet and show the praise to the God that is serving of the praise right now. Give glory to that name. Give glory to that name. Amen. Now, just a moment. Maybe you're here. Something hit home with you, but you know that the Holy Spirit is knocking you. But you realize, just like Shannon was in that back room, The bible says in revelation that jesus stands at the door and knocks wanting in in your life will you completely die to yourself not play not play christianity not play religion not play church not play like you're a christian i'm talking about dying to yourself and letting christ come alive in you there's a big difference in that i want to pray with eyes closed no one looking around and i want to ask every single person Pray this prayer, God through Oklahoma City. Pray it with me out loud. But for many, it's going to be the moment that defines the old is going to be gone, the new is going to come in Christ Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe that you're God, that you came to die for my sin, and that you rose again the third day. And that I'm forgiven of my sins when I believe in you and I believe in you now in Jesus name. And everybody said, come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you do it? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, many of you prayed that prayer, you know, the next step is not to keep it privately. Jesus made it very clear to go public with that and we're gonna be baptizing next week. Go out to that tent immediately following this experience and let somebody know that you want to be baptized. You say, Jesus did not give an option on that. He exampled that Himself and He commanded that we all should be baptized. When we choose to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, follow up on that. Next week we'll be baptized. Now, I mentioned at the beginning, some of you need the resurrection power of Jesus in your life right now. You're going through situations, you're going through difficulties. Maybe you wanna stand in for somebody. Begin to move right now. And our prayer team is gonna meet you up the front. Come on, begin to come right now. And if you want prayer, people are moving right now, but if you want prayer and you say, I'm facing something, I need healing, I need direction, I need peace of mind, I need something for my children, I need something for my parents, I need to pray right now with somebody. Begin to come to this front. Somebody will agree with you. And I believe the resurrection power of Jesus that has not only saved you, is also gonna do the miracle needed in your life right now. Let's pray.